Welcome to Kentucky Horsepower, the official podcast of the Kentucky Automobile Dealers Association. This is Jason Wilson, president of the Kentucky Automobile Dealers Association, and I'd like to welcome each of you to the newest edition of Kentucky Horsepower, the official podcast of the Kentucky Auto Dealers Association. Uh, really happy to have today some new friends of KDA, a new partnership that we have established, and it is with a company called Dealer Merchant Services. And joining me today is Amberly Joseph. She is the managing partner, and Laura Mellencamp, who's the vice president of business development. So ladies, thank you both for, uh, for joining us. Thanks so much for having us, Jason. We're excited. Excited to be a partner of KADA, sure. Well, let's just jump right into it. Tell me about Dealer Merchant Services. What is Dealer Merchant Services and why should dealers be uh, interested in learning about all that you ladies do? So Dealer Merchant Services provides dealers all over the country a dual price strategy. And basically that means that all prices in sales and service have two prices, a credit price and a debit price. And basically what we do is we allow dealers to understand that the laws have changed recently and they have an option to save on this huge expense, typically in the top 10 expenses at the dealership, which is credit card processing fees. And over time, credit card processing fees have only increased and they're only on the uptick. And so it's our job to really educate dealers that these laws have changed. And oftentimes we see savings anywhere between 5,000 and all the way up to $15,000 per month per rooftop wow. uh, at the level. So significant savings and it's our job to educate them as well as uh, create best practices and help them roll it out with minimal business disruption. Got it. So from a law standpoint, uh, you said some recent changes. When did they occur? Tell us a little bit about what that change is. I think a lot of folks probably aren't even aware of that. So good question. It started with uh, the Durbin Amendment in 2010. And basically it has evolved that it went all the way up to the Supreme Court and said that businesses in this country have a First Amendment right to communicate to their customers that if they use a different form of payment, they could potentially save. And it then these businesses realized that the big banks and the car brands were colluding against these fees. So there was a $6 billion class action lawsuit. So over time, especially in the last few years, so 2018 is really when it started to come to a head, the businesses said, look, we shouldn't be paying these fees. In the United States, we're paying seven times more than other developed countries in processing fees. And they, they realized that they were colluding against these fees. And uh, and so they fought back. That's really what it boils down to. And the other piece of it is, although the laws have changed over the course of time, consumer conditioning has just recently changed, right? So businesses weren't really ready to start charging their customers these, these fees, but that has changed. Venmo and PayPal, for example, if you've ever sent money via Venmo, you pay 3% higher if you use a credit card than if you use your bank account. And those platforms have over 400 million users. And so people are just getting used to this change more than they ever have been before. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you, even here at the county level, uh, as a new Kentuckian, when I had to go and register my vehicles and get tags and, and all those sort of things, um, I was given the option to either uh, write a check, pay by credit card, but clearly on their glass window, it stated that if I pay by credit card, that I would be charged a pass-through fee or a processing fee to do that. So it, it seems to make sense. Laura, you know, you and I were talking a little bit, tell us a little bit, and, and Amberly, you mentioned it, but I want to go circle back on this. The 
dollar amounts that we're talking about here, um, because I, that's what sort of struck me in, in a time when uh, dealers are looking to maximize profits in, in every aspect of the business, whether it's fixed ops, whether it's the uh, retail sales side of things, what have you. Um, this is one of those things that sort of flies under the radar because you've just been paying it forever uh, and just been sort of eating those fees. So, Laura, what does that look like a little bit uh, on average from a savings standpoint? I know it varies in a number of transactions, but I imagine there's a pretty big range of uh, savings there. Yeah, depending on the size of the dealership, we see on average anywhere from $5,000 a month to $15,000 a month would be your typical range. We've got some dealers that are large um, import stores that may be spending $35,000 a month in credit card processing fees. What's really interesting is that most of them don't even know because your, your, fact, your manufacturer's financial statement doesn't really have a separate line item for credit card fees. Those expenses are typically lumped in with other expenses. So even when we talk to some um, CFOs or general, general managers, they're not exactly sure where to even look for what they're spending. So it, it's typically something that's just, you know, nobody approves an invoice, nobody signs a check, it's just debited out of their bank account. So it's kind of one of those hidden expenses. The savings that we see is substantial. We average, our dealers average saving anywhere from 70 to 80% savings a month. So- one of the things, yeah, one of the things Imagine. to talk about is if I could, would you, right? If I could change, if I could take your $50,000 a month expense down to $13,000 a month, would you be interested? So. Sure. Well, and Jason, you see those large dealer groups, you know, they really, it adds up quickly, right? A single point store saving five to 10 grand a month. I mean, you add that up, these eight store groups, we look at their three-year analysis. We just did one. $2.3 million over, over the next three years. I mean, the numbers are, are somewhat staggering. And I feel like maybe sometimes too good to be true when we have some of these conversations. And I think what's really important is that we want to educate them on how to roll it out within compliance, because there are some pretty specific compliance and, and legal pieces that they have to make sure they're covering. You know, we have dealers go, well, why can't I do this myself? Or you know, why do I need you or, you know, that sort of thing. And it's really important because in the compliance piece of it, it has to be at an arm's length. They have to actually use a third party processor so that the dealership does not profit in any way, that it's a straight pass through from the customer to the store, to the credit card processor. And so there's some things there as well as communicating it the right way to the customer. It's really important that you don't want to get in any of these stores, you know, down in the crux of, of being in, in any legal ramifications. Yeah, I would think consistency would be very important with that, especially in this day and age, as we're looking at, uh, uh, you know, greater regulation, greater monitoring of, of all these types of, of transactions. The last thing you would want is something that's not consistent for every single customer that comes through and, uh, and, and have a policy in place. Um, let's talk about that training. I know uh, again, I talked to a number of dealers uh, on this when you when we all first started talking about this p potential partnership, and uh, so I made some calls just to you know ask dealers, so what's your policy on this? And it was everything say you know I'm not really even sure uh, because and part of it is it's just been going on forever, right? This is fairly new, so you just look at and accept it as the cost of doing business. To now, um, again, you all are able to break bring some really interesting and exciting news 
to people in a way that that's that's truly unique. So, but that process of converting, it's not flipping a switch, right? Talk, talk about because in the end, you have you have your uh, service advisors, your uh, cashiers; those are the ones interacting with that customer base that is so important to dealers. So there has to be a right, right way to to do this. And so talk to me about the training and what that transition looks like. 100%. So first of all, we become the new processor and we bring in brand new machines. Uh, they are actually backed by a US patent and they increase that transaction by the 3%. We typically charge 3% um, as, a, as an increase is that surcharge. And so the 3% is increased. It happens at the machine at the terminal level, but we come in, we make sure that we have the accounting department uh, with Laura's background as a former controller, she really works closely with the controller. We joke because we know that if the controller's not happy, nobody's happy, right? And so we make sure the controller's happy, their accounting department really understands this new transition. Transition, And then we go in, we actually do some pre-training, uh, very short, what we call micro-learning segments, one-minute videos, and we talk about the word track. We talk about other businesses that already have this policy in place. And we really tell them this is a culture of transparency. We, we had an opportunity to raise our prices across the board, but we wanted our cash paying customers the option to save. And so we wanted to have this culture of transparency. We didn't feel like our cash paying customers should have to subsidize our credit paying customers and their families trip to Maui every year, right? So there's options there. We wanna give them options and the option to choose. So we have pre-training before we get there. We do on-site launch. We are completely focused on automotive. So we understand we have to hold their hands through this process, but we see the first 30 days, uh, we work through it. We see some, you know, troubleshooting any of that, but within 90 days, these dealers don't have any issues from what we've, what we've experienced. Got it. And then support after the fact, obviously, is, is an important piece of it as well. Um, talk about that for a little bit from a, just a follow-up support standpoint. The, the way that our training is built, we actually have training into perpetuity. So every time they have a new employee come on, we just uh, enroll them into our training. Again, it's only 12 minutes. We tell them exactly what how it works. And then we even have follow-up training where they're little just four or five minute videos. Hey, are you having any trouble with your machine? Remember to do this. Remember, this is our war track. Make sure you put in your invoice number so it flows all the way through to accounting. You know, so, it, you know, we really want to make sure we're very hands-on and, and of course, aside from that, aside from the training and perpetuity, we've got 24-7, 365 customer support, technical support, and we're all hands on deck with our team as well. Got it. Well, you know, we were joking early on and Laura and I were on uh, a minute or two ahead of time and you all do focus on automotive. You all have a very extensive automotive background. This is what you all do. Um, talk a little bit about that as far as your your time in, in this great industry we're all in right now? Well, I have to say I love it, right? And, and that sounds very, um, you know, sweet and flowery, but I love the pace. I mean, working with these guys, they're the most driven, resourceful, successful people in the business. And, um, you know, I'm 18 years in, I started working with dealers when I was 23. So it's all I know. And I, I love it. I love the pace. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm always grateful. Uh, to get to work with these guys. They teach me a lot, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and Laura, I know, you know, as mentioned, you were a controller, you worked in, in the stores. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I started um, when I was 19 as a receptionist answering the phones in a dealership and ended up working my way into a controller's position, was a controller for 
11 years in a family-owned store and then became the general manager for a couple of years. Um, and was I've also been a Vantal or Berkshire Hathaway controller as well. So I kind of joke, I've been in the business 28 plus years on the retail side. So a lot longer than I care to admit. <laughs> but, well, it goes by fast. That is for sure. Um, so let me let me jump back to you've put a number of dealers on this program. They're they're moving forward. What has been some of their feedback regarding transition? Uh, you know, was it what they as far as what their expectations were to how it actually sort of all all played out? What's been the feedback so far from those that have just sort of early in the process, and then talk about one that's been in it for a while now and where what their thought is on on making this adjustment. So I would say that a great example is a dealer group. They've got 11 stores. They're privately held. And they said, Amberly, we like it, of course, because of the savings, but we just want to dip our toe in the water. We want one store to try it. We're going to be on it. And they were adamant, 60, 90 days. We'll see how we feel about it. And within two weeks, they called us after we did the on-site launch. We've done the training. Everything you know, went off without a hitch. And within two weeks, they called and said, things are going great. Let's launch the rest of the stores. And so wow. after that, we launched the other 10 stores and they've been on it. They save anywhere between 25 and 30 grand a month, I'd say. And so just like I was saying, these big dealer groups, I mean, their savings over three years is significant, over a million dollars, right? Yeah. To me, that's a great piece of it. We work uh, closely with uh, dealer groups to show them after 30 days, we do an audit. This is your savings so far. Let's troubleshoot. We're really hands-on in the first 30 days. But then after that, we typically send a savings analysis as an audit um, over the course of the next few months and just really keep them excited. Um, you know, this is how much you've saved so far, that sort of thing. So it's really about getting them on board, get everybody bought in. One piece of our training that we do is we basically get the employees feedback. So before we ever get there, if we've got a service advisor that doesn't agree with the policy, we we know that ahead of time, we get their feedback. And this is something we go through in our demo and, and then we can address it because we wanna make sure middle management isn't digging their heels in because they don't understand why we're doing this. So that's- yeah, you, have to, you have to have buy-in for sure. 100%. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, we, we cited, uh, I cited at least one example I ran into, but more and more industries or businesses are going this direction. Uh, talk to that for just a moment. What are, what are you seeing out there? Is, is this just becoming more and more commonplace? It is, you're certainly going to see, I think the recent statistic I, I read was 70,000 merchants a month are going to a policy like this across the country. And of course that includes everybody, right? See right. Shops and donut shops, but yeah. I think that you'll see it more and more. And you know, that'll really give, dealerships feeling comfortable about making this change. But like Laura said earlier, we feel like it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when really sure. completely shift over to this. Yeah, it just makes sense. The market. It's all nope. about giving them choices. Yeah, and, and the market seems to be going this direction. I, I, again, as, as, as all businesses, automotive or otherwise, look to control costs as best they can. Uh, this is certainly an avenue that allows them to do so while remaining competitive and uh, saving quite a bit of money, as, as, to your point, uh, over a period of time. Thank um, you, Jason, that I think is really important is they may see businesses out there that require cash or checks, just like you were talking about when sure. you were 
But for us, one piece that we feel like we're majorly differentiator is that, is that we allow debit cards, right? That pin debit, if a customer is coming in and putting in their pin code, they get the cash equivalent price. Okay. So for us, that's a big option. We know that, and that's where we don't have any CSI issues. I mean, the, the two main questions we get are, is it legal? And what's my CSI going to do? Right. And for us, because we're actually giving them that debit card option, that pin debit option, it's a real equivalent cash option. Whereas you may see some people, oh, I need cash currency or a check. Dealers don't even want to take cash and checks very much now. Right. So right. Card piece is a true equivalent electronic option for us. And that, I, to, to me, I feel like that's a differentiator. Yeah, I think that's a great point uh, to be able to have that option. And now that I think about it, just in over the last year, it seems like everything is done without cash, right? We're using cards for everything, especially in the age of COVID. And as I think back, there's been many times where, you know, you're asked, okay, is it a debit? Is it a charge? And, you, you know, you make the appropriate choices. So I think it's technology advancing. It's new techniques and new ways of remaining competitive while being able to save monies and your operating costs. It all makes sense. Um Lastly, we're all going to be in Florida here in a short period of time, so we'll be looking forward to seeing you all at our uh, annual convention. And uh, those of you who are listening or watching who would like to talk to Amberly or, or Laura and uh, while we're in Florida, reach out, let us know, or just uh, make it a point to introduce yourselves to them. They'll be there looking to meet, meet everybody and have a good time with us. We are excited to actually be getting out in person again and, and being able to do these things together. Uh, and we certainly appreciate your partnership, your sponsorship uh, at our convention. It allows us to do these type of things. So uh, we, we thank you for that. Uh, Laura, Amber, anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off? You know, I would say that whether it's at the convention beforehand or even after, we're always happy to run a savings analysis. And what that looks like is whether they go with this strategy or not, bringing awareness to the cost behind this, whether they could save with their current provider or go with us and save 75 to 80%. I think just building some awareness. So we're always happy to do a savings analysis at no charge, you know, and we can do it in about 48 hours so that we could do it before the convention or anytime after. And I just want to extend that to all of your dealers that uh, we're happy to do that and also bring some, some real awareness to this expense. Great. Well, exciting new technology. Uh, for sure. And we're looking forward to uh, rolling it out to all of our dealers here uh, in Kentucky. So ladies, thank you both for your time today. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully our dealers find it to be informative and uh, we'll look forward to uh, moving forward with you all in this partnership. So until next time, uh, we will see you on our next podcast here, Kentucky Horsepower. Feel free to subscribe. You can get it through Apple. You can get it through uh, uh, Spotify, or you can e even get it on YouTube and you'll get notified when these become available. So ladies, thank you. And until next time, we'll see you all down the road.